Welcome to the iLeaps Early Careers podcast, where we explore scientific research related to the biosphere and the atmosphere, and share the personal experiences of our early career scientists as they navigate their way through academia. Our podcast today forms part of a series in which we shine a spotlight on the important scientific projects happening across the continent of Africa. Our guest today is Tom, a PhD student based in the School of Geosciences at the University of Edinburgh, whose research project is based on the Miombo woodland of South East Africa. So, hi Tom. Hi Gemma. Hiya. Um, thanks for agreeing to uh, give us an interview for our podcast. Thank you for having um, me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. So, so just to start really, we'll dive straight into the questions. Could you tell us a bit about your background, so what you might have studied before um, starting your PhD and what inspired you really to follow science uh, as a career? Great, yeah. Um, so I guess so in terms of like inspiration, I, I guess when I was a, when I was younger, I always liked being outdoors um, around the UK in forests and in and, and the mountains. Um, so kind of, that's kind of an ongoing thing, I guess, but I went on to to study physical geography um, at the University of Lancaster, which is a really good, it's good in the sense that it gives you a broad background in the sciences, um, but it kind of also gives you a bit of a desire to travel around. Um, and I was also lucky to do a, an exchange um, in my undergraduate to Australia. So following my degree, I kind of I kind of got bitten by the tropical bug, I guess. Um, Oh, the hot climate book <laughs> and travel back to Australia to kind of work in environmental consultancy for a few years. Um, still kind of getting to work amongst forests, but much hotter, drier ones. Um, so that was, I was really enjoying that for a while. It kind of, uh, the work, I guess, became a touch repetitive. Um, and it's sort of, I made a career choice, I guess, to come back to academia so I could do a little bit more skills development, I guess, um, and maybe work on some things that are a little bit more um, inspiring, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. So, yeah, so it sounds like, well, I know a little bit about your PhD project already. So it sounds like your background really set you up well taking on the project that you're doing now. So could you tell us a little bit more about your PhD project, like kind of the aims of the project initially um, and then maybe follow through and then tell us a little bit more about why you know this research is so important to conduct now. So, so my um, I guess broadly my research is is looking at the Miombo kind of region of uh, southern Africa it's the Miombo woodlands. Um, now this is like a highly modified environment so there's a lot a lot of humans um, using the woodlands of agricultural land um, and also uh, deriving a lot of woodland resources, um, medicines, construction, lots of different things. Um, so as a result, I mean, this is there's areas of great loss of tree biomass. Um, but as you kind of see globally, there's also areas where the, the density of tree biomass is increasing. Um, this is quite a complex, it's quite a complex pattern. Um, so I guess my research, in essence, is, is trying to pick apart some of the, 
the factors that drive local and regional trends in biomass loss and gain. Um, it's kind of expanded and now includes everything from looking at tree growth um, to the impacts of environmental catastrophes um, and also looking at some of the kind of the human aspects of what kind of impacts different management regimes have. Um, and I guess the the importance of this is, is it understanding what's currently driving these patterns of change will give us a kind of a more, a better sense of how these patterns will develop in, in future climates or future population patterns and, and what kind of management techniques are going to be most effective. Okay, that's really cool. So, so I guess you do use lots of different sort of tools for um, kind of doing the analysis and the research. So can you explain a little bit more about, you know, did you do field work or did, is it more like computer-based? You know, is it remote sensing? What sort of things do you do? So there's, I did about six months of field work in total. Um, so that was mostly working on, we call them permanent sample plots. Um, so these are kind of one hectare plots where you do repeat measurements of trees. Um, so some of that work was was remeasuring previously measured ones, and some of it was setting up new ones. Um, and also, I did a little bit of work with a with a fairly simple drone. So there's there is quite a substantial field work element, but then towards the so particularly the last two years, I guess it's it's been mostly a desktop based. Um, so using satellites, um, namely radar satellites, um, to try and map tree biomass across the across my region of interest. Could you maybe tell us, like, for the listeners today, maybe explain a little bit about um, what field type might look like? Yeah, yes. Um, so I guess I should start by saying I'm nearly almost visiting um, sort of to where, towards the end of the, the dry season um, and yeah that has a big impact on, on what it might be like to be there um, so it's generally it's it's starting to warm up um, in October when I'm usually there it's kind of the numbers that I the regions I work in are generally quite open and there's usually quite there's a fairly consistent um, covering of quite tall grass um, which can be, you know, like up to head height in some cases, um, but it's often sort of like mid-thigh. Um, it's quite an open canopy, um, so it's quite, it's, it's like a savanna woodland. Um, you'll have some big dominant um, miombo species that are um, quite common across much of this region. And then there's kind of like a scattered understory. Um, you know, quite often there's, at this time of year, you're just starting to get the fires coming in. Um, so you don't necessarily notice at the time, but it's quite often the smell of smoke on the winds, all your clothes end up smelling a um, bushfire. Um, and there's, yeah, I guess it's, when I've been working, it's generally been somewhere between 25, 30, maybe up to 35 degrees in a few days. Um, but generally you're kind of trying to get up early, get started at half six. Um, try and get finished for three o'clock and then get home and 
get showered and ready for the yeah, next day. Cool. So, um, so Tom, when you work out in the field, are you working on your own or do you have a team of people working with you? So, yeah, you usually, I mean, occasionally I've gone over there with a, another member from, from Edinburgh. Um, but generally I'll be working with a, a team I've kind of assembled from um, either very locally um, in local villages or uh, you know, organizations we've worked with, um, sort of forestry organizations. Um, so, and this is kind of like a pretty critical element of, of all my field work. So none of my fields which would have worked without the kind of local botanical and ecological experts. Um, and, and also kind of like the knowledge of the, the history of the area and what's been going on over a long, longer period of time. Because uh, you're really only just kind of getting a snapshot when you're in the field for a couple of months. Um, so like the other part of that is that these forests and woodlands are providing critical resources um, for local communities. So like anywhere that I've worked, I've worked in maybe four different locations, there's always kind of like a strong local interest and engagement in kind of managing these forests. Um, so it's essential to have team members and especially members from the villages themselves that are known to the community um, is very useful. And they're kind of like able to communicate what, you, what you're there for, like what you'd like to do um, to the community before you start the work. And then the, the other sort of good thing about this is that at the end of the work, you can feedback anything you might have found, um, anything you've seen. And for you, you kind of get local insights in, into why you might have, have found this. Um, and this is often will lead to kind of answers that you, to questions you'd otherwise just be guessing at when you, when you got home um, and wishing you, you could have some some more information basically yeah cool thanks tom cool answer um that's cool um there actually actually there's one more question i just thought about like how yeah. how easy is it to identify the different tree species before you go out there have you because i mean are these is this the first time that you've seen some of these trees that you're measuring or yes yeah, so, i mean there, there is a i think i'm my set of seven plots in uh, Nigorangosa in Mozambique. I think in the original set, there was almost 200 species. Um, and again, I, get, I have no hope of, of gaining that kind of expertise. Um, but a, a couple of the guys from the local um, village were capable of picking most of those trees with vernacular names. And then we kind of build species lists. Um, so you can translate them to scientific names when you get home um but yeah it's like it you, you do start to after about a month maybe you start to pick up the 20 or 30 really most common species um but on, on every plot there's something you don't know and you kind of sat around with field guidebooks and lots of you trying to work out what it is <laughs> cool that's really cool so we all know that like studying for a PhD can be really tough. <laughs> so 
what sort of things have you found to be the biggest challenges? Um, um, but then we'll we'll go on to the positive later. So okay. let's just tackle yeah. the challenge, challenges first. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I mean, every, there's the kind of the generic challenges in PhD, like uh, any kind of analysis is, I mean, you're, you're always doing something you've, we've not really done before so I mean there's never there's never days where you're just kind of repeating something that, <laughs> um, so there's there's always that difficulty I'd say in in my particular area getting good data can be a challenge um, so even though there's 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 a huge amount of remotely sensed data available now and it's quite often freely available you still need really good quality field inventory data um, and it's it's either lacking where you need it, or it's it's kind of like not easily accessible. Um, now, gathering field data is extremely expensive, um, time-consuming, takes a huge amount of planning, and the best field data, for my purposes at least, is is repeat measurements. So obviously, yeah, setting setting one up one year, it doesn't really pay back possibly another three four five years um so i guess that um, my my research group is kind of involved in a lot of projects that kind of try to bring together um field data from different researchers and in different institutions um so hopefully this kind of the situation will improve with time um, but it's getting field data is is definitely still a challenge yeah so like for example I guess, yeah, short-term projects aren't very useful sometimes. You need these longer-term measurement campaigns almost. Uh, like you say, and collaboration is key, right? Yeah, so definitely, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, there are uses for, there are uses for single surveys, um, but for kind of projecting change and assessing change over time, obviously. And uh, these, these woodlands, I mean, five years is when you start to get real quality from your data i guess um so they're critical so so there must be some good points about doing a phd and some kind of good moments where you can look back and think you know yeah that was a really cool thing that i experienced or you discovered something cool or you know you had a eureka moment so can you tell us about the like maybe the good things or what you've learned the most or what you found or discovered during your PhD so far? Yes, uh, um, in, in terms of, I'm trying to think in terms of like the actual research, um, I guess the kind of the most eureka moment. Um, so I did quite a lot of work for my first chapter on tree growth. Um, so using these the permanent sample plots I've just been talking about um, to assess tree growth over more than 10 years. Um, so in, in the woodlands, in the Myoma woods, it's quite often quite open woodlands. Like it's not very densely treed often, um, but the roots form big, expansive. So the trees form expansive root networks. So potentially they're competing over quite a big area. Um, but it's it's not really, it's quite hard to, to assess um, and it's and you definitely can't just dig up all the trees to see how big the root networks are um, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> so 
so we did a, a lot of modeling um and i guess it's kind of it's not completed yet this analysis i guess but what we found was kind of like a quite a clear influence of of neighboring trees on on, on an individual's tree growth to to much larger area than um we'd originally kind of thought and that was kind of it was it just came out in the data really clearly, which is a very graphite moment, I guess. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it makes you feel all the hard work and effort has been really worth it. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, we've been talking about field work, but I mean, in terms of like moments that you enjoy, like field work is just, I mean, it's extremely difficult often. Um, and there are days that are very 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 hard but um it's just full of the, the coolest moments and the kind of places you get to work and the people you work with yeah 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 that's nice so have you got any in mind in particular or uh, not I, I, many many <laughs> many <laughs> many kind of yeah many moments of surprise and unexpected things happening um but yeah quite often some of the things that that stand out and just kind of spending time quite often you're camping or um or in quite rural areas um and it's mm -hmm. just i do enjoy just being outside at night somewhere where it's quite it's quite warm um yeah no it's really it's a good social experience it's great yeah definitely like i can totally understand like when you do these like intense field campaigns as well and you get to know people they always you know you, you become friends and it's like a this really cool like shared unique experience yes. that you have and um, yeah and that's like yeah worth a lot like the memories yeah. are really cool yeah so I guess um to kind of wrap it up a little bit in your experience if you you know kind of any early career scientists out there who might be looking at conducting research within Africa or, and they're thinking about doing a PhD what sort of advice would you give to early career researchers? Um, so I mean if you're for instance if you're like me I guess traveling from the UK um, to Africa I'd never so I've been in kind of like relatively similar environments but, but never on the African it's a very different kind of working situation but chances are there's going to be someone in your department whether it be your supervisor or um or just another postdoc phd student um who's worked there before so really do, do i mean early on in your phd you, you already feel pressed for time but do take the time to see if you can ask people about their experience working there and, and questions about the culture um and then also just spend a little bit of time if you can learn in the fundamentals of the language um again you kind of feel very pressed for time when you're planning field work um, but it a little bit of linguistic knowledge will go an extremely long way um in the field and you'll just you'll pick up things faster when you're there as well um so just thinking in terms of as i said before like one of the principal challenges that i've had it's kind of like is getting hold of inventory data or working with inventory data. Um, but there are, like I say, my group's involved in projects that kind of try and bring this data together. And there, are, there quite often is a lot more data somewhere than you think there is. 
Um, and there's some really good quality data sets. Um, so if you are kind of like embarking on a, on a project there, consider contacting some of the, the people who are managing these, uh, these, these kind of repositories of data um, with an outline of what you're doing. And it, I mean, possibly the data you're going to collect will have some other utility for them. Um, possibly some data they have they're using for something will be of some some use to your project. Um, and it's and at the very least, you might get some kind of interesting feedback on what you're doing, or, or kind of like is someone else is working on something similar. Or, um, so it's definitely worth just kind of getting a feel for those big data sets or repositories um, and just just sending off kind of like a, a searching email seeing if you get anything back. Good luck with your rest of your PhD and um, we look forward to seeing your results um, when you have them all finished up um, and thanks for letting us interview you. Thank you for having me Jim. Thank you, thanks. So that concludes today's podcast. Thanks for listening. And just to say, if you want to learn more about iLeaps, please go to our website, iLeaps.org, where you'll find a link to our early careers website, or you can follow us on Twitter at iLeaps underscore ECSN or our Facebook page. Thanks. <laughs>